Hey everybody, this is Sam with Paranormal Review, and we're back with a review of a, another episode. This time we're doing Portals to Hell that aired on February 11th of 2020, and this is Portals to Hell Reopened, and we're going to start with the first episode of it, and what it is, is before they, the Travel Channel actually shows Season 2, what they're having Jack uh, Osborne and Katrina Weidman do is go back and kind of reopen the investigations that they did during season one. It was uh, eight episodes long, so they didn't have very m many of them to actually go back, rewatch, and kind of give their thoughts and views on. Um, what I'm changing up with Paranormal Reviews is some people said, hey, we hear that you are doing research into the locations and into the people and, and, and everything, so why don't you put that in where it goes? Why don't you start out talking a little bit about the location, and then as the episode goes, when you find some discrepancy, how about... Um, um, putting that in the actual podcast in the episode where it goes um, listeners were saying hey don't wait until the end don't make us you know wait and have to try to remember what happened and what was said so I'm gonna try it uh, for this episode I think it's really gonna work because I found some really cool stuff this episode is about the Alaskan Hotel now, when I sat down to actually watch this, I think if you guys would have said, hey, tell me about Portals to Hell, the Alaskan Hotel. I don't know that I could have told you anything about it other than I remembered, you know, no one had ever been to this location and that um, it wasn't well known on the paranormal circuit and that you know, obviously was their first episode. Now, when the episode started, and it started playing, I was like, oh, it's this episode. And I remember it because, um, not only because it was the first episode, and seeing Jack and Katrina interact with each other, but I remember the owner and the owner's son, and this just being a freaky and weird episode and it was just freaky enough and weird enough that said oh i want to watch this series i want to get involved with this so um i'm gonna do a little bit of the background on the alaskan hotel now when they said you know it's never been investigated on TV before, that they're wording it exactly right. It's never been investigated, because it has been on TV before. So, let's just start off with the hotel. It was built in 1913, and it is on the National Register of Historic Places. It got on there in 1978, and it is known as the longest continuing running hotel in Alaska. And every article, every um, website, anything that I could find on this hotel, say the owners are Michael and Betty Adams. 
However, Michael doesn't show up in this episode. I don't know whether he didn't want to be on TV or exactly what was going on. And when you pop up this hotel, the first thing that I automatically went to was actually the hotel website. It talks about how there's 45 rooms. And when you first pop it up on Google, it shows that it's a one-star hotel. Well, what that does is it computes all of the ratings that has been given to this hotel throughout the years. If you actually look at TripAdvisor, um, since about 2013, and I'll tell you why in a minute, since about 2013, it's been running about two to three stars. And... A lot of the reviews that you read on TripAdvisor says that this is the worst hotel that a lot of people have ever been to. Uh, when you actually go on their website, uh, it talks about and shows you pictures of the suites. The suites run $110 a night, and you can get rooms with private bathrooms, which are $100 a night, and then you can get rooms that have shared bathrooms for $90 a night, and then you can get rooms with shared bathrooms with certain amenities, like a kitchen or a TV. There are some rooms that don't have a TV, um, but if you want a kitchen with no TV, it's $90. If you want a TV with no kitchen, it's $90. But guess what? If you want a room that has a kitchen and a TV with a shared bath, it's also $90. Um, yeah. Yeah, just doesn't make any sense. But anyway... Um, through perusing their, their website, they have real big on their website that they had some rooms remodeled by Travel Channel's Hotel Impossible. They have a lot of, um, they did eight rooms. And it specifically says, ask if any of these remodeled rooms are available. So, Travel Channel knew in 2013 about this hotel. Um, they actually had sent a crew with Hotel Impossible and Anthony up there. Well, I decided after I watched Portals to Hell and found this out, hey, I thought, I want to actually watch this Hotel's Impossible. I want to see if they mention that it's haunted. I want to see, it, you know, what the rooms actually look like before they stuck, you know, Katrina and, and Jack in them. And so I actually watched the episode. I'm going to encourage you, if you're the least bit <laughs> interested, um, it is season four, episode one, and it is Hotel Impossible that aired January 27th, 2014, and it was filmed in 2013. Well, the reason why it got on Hotel Impossible's radar was because they actually sent in surveillance camera footage to Hotel Impossible, to the Travel Channel, of their doors basically being opened by a bear 
and a bear actually walked into their hotel lobby. The surveillance cameras from outside actually picked the bear up outside walking down the street and then him coming in the doorway and walking right into the hotel lobby. They show it on the Travel Channel. So if for nothing else, pull up the episode for that. Um, I also found an article uh, written in October of... um, October 29th of 2018 about the sailor that they talk about in this actual episode and it talks about Betty Adams and Chris Guilford being the police officer and we're going to talk about Jack talking to a, a police officer and everything here shortly so let's kind of get started on the episode and as I uh find places to put in the research that I found, then I will will talk to you about that. Um, the episode starts off, and I am excited that Jack and Katrina are set setting facing the camera. They're in a um, kind of goth room, and there's a skeleton head on the, the table. And my first comment is, oh, Katrina's got makeup. Um, I am so used to Katrina not having makeup on for Paranormal Lockdown. Um, so let me back up and tell you that I did not watch Paranormal State. So I don't know young college student Katrina. I don't know her as, you know, Ryan's um, trainee. I know about it because people have have told me about it and I've read it. Um, I need to go back and watch some of the Paranormal State episodes. I know that. But my first experience with Katrina was I followed Nick Groff after he left Ghost Adventures and he was actually started Paranormal Lockdown where they spend 72 hours in one location doing a investigation of it. So I'm used to Katrina not having makeup on. She she doesn't even bother with it. And so when I see her sitting there with Jack, I'm like, oh my, Katrina's got makeup on. She looks great. Um, of course, Jack always looks great. And um, I'm thinking, this is this is pretty cool. This is what I wanted Ghost Adventures to do. If any of you heard that episode about the Screaming Room, where they uh, did the Titanic episode that I reviewed, I said that I wanted them, I know that they're in a theater, kind of in Zach Bagan's theater watching it, but I wanted them to kind of be sitting around and, and talking. I still kind of wish they would show them talking more about the episode, but they actually show the episode, and then they show Jack and Katrina kind of adding things in. So they open it up with Jack's um, talking about how the Alaska Hotel is one of the nicest, coolest hotels around. And Katrina says, you know, it was weird because she's never been to Alaska. She didn't really know what to expect. She said she kind of got off the plane and that she described it as 
it being like how she pictures a Stephen King book or movie by the looks of the state, that it was really damp and it was cold and it was misty and gray and that, you know, it was just those mountains and everything. And in the actual Portals to Hell episode, you really don't get to see the town. You don't really get to see where the hotel is located. But the Hotel Impossible episode that I told you, which was also on the Travel Channel, you do. Um, they actually take you through town. This hotel is located in pretty much dead center town. It um, is... I believe it. There's it's six thousand um, foot high mountains on either side of the town, so it kind of sits down in a valley. And the hotel that they actually show when they filmed there in 2013 is beautiful, as far as with the stained glass. Um, like I said, it, it's over a hundred years old, with it being built in 1913, and you can actually see what is you know, the majestic part of what it used to be. And Katrina and Jack kind of set this up, and they say, you know, this is the first time that they've ever actually investigated together. That they didn't go on any investigations that weren't filmed. And this is the actual first investigation that they did together. And so um, Katrina said that she just kind of set the bar really low. She she didn't want to have really high expectations. And Jack said, you know, he was just hoping that it wasn't going to be a dud investigation. And he, you know, didn't want to travel all that way and it not turn out well. And he says how nervous he was just being around her after watching her on TV and everything. And then he says, well, Katrina, were you nervous? And she says, um, no, no, not really. And I guess they were beat briefed on the way up, on the plane on the way up, because they talked about how they were expecting this kind of low-level hunting of where they had two rooms that were having some noises and and a little bit of aggressive touching and, and haunting and noises and stuff, but that they were shocked when they got up there that this turned out to be a really complex and layered investigation. And Jack says that after meeting uh, Betty Adams and Joshua Adams, that it was just a special kind of scary for him, which I think is absolutely hilarious but you're gonna find that as i review portals to hell that i think jack is hilarious most of the time i grew up watching the osborne's reality show and loving jack and of course i've watched ozzy and jack's world detour and fell in love with them uh running all over the country and visiting tour sites and taking on uh, wild adventures for trying to make Ozzy to do certain things. 
I did not see Jack Osborne's Haunted Highways. I didn't even know that he had did that until I was reading up on him. I didn't even know that he did that series. I am going to have to look that up and see about it. I had no clue that that it that he had did a series. I assumed when I saw um, Portals to Hell last year that Jack was relatively new in investigations, and he admits that in this, that there are certain circumstances that they get their heads in that he doesn't really know what to do. He doesn't know how to act or how to treat it. He's never experienced certain things before. And what you're seeing is his genuine reaction to that. And I think I kind of love that. Um, I love, I feel like Katrina is the older, wiser, more experienced investigator. And when I say older, I don't necessarily mean age-wise. I just mean in um, knowledge, I guess. Whereas Jack is this curious newbie that does have a lot of camera experience and production experience and everything, but that he's wanting to learn about the paranormal, whereas Katrina has the background of being around psychics, being around mediums, being around, you know, uh, Lorraine Warren, um, and getting the different education with uh, Paranormal State, and then, of course, getting to hang out for, what, three seasons with Nick Groff, who I really respect as far as his knowledge also. So, then they kind of start the episode, and we're introduced to Betty Adams. She's the owner, and like I said, through my research, I found out that her and her husband, Michael, have owned this place for basically over 30 years, or excuse me, over 40 years, and that they've been through you know, everything and anything. Well, what I found interesting, like I said, when I watched the Hotel Impossible episode, is when it was filmed in 2013, there is a section where Anthony is sitting down and asking Betty about her hotel, and she can't answer very many questions. Um, and he's asking her numbers, he's asking her, you know, clientele, um, he's asking her about the bar, he's asking her about room rates. In 2013, they were renting rooms for $34, and their competition was, were renting rooms for 107 So, Betty, um, in the Hotel Impossible episode, when you watch it, she's not with it. Um, she knows there's a lot of things going on in her hotel, and she doesn't really understand how that all fits together. In that episode, she talks about how her son, Joshua, who is in the Portals to Hell episode, quit working for her in 2008, and that he had not worked in the hotel uh, since 2008. Before that, he had grew up in the hotel and had worked for it for 19 years. And 
he comes back in the episode to come back to manage the hotel for Betty in 2013. So when we meet Joshua in this Portals to Hell episode, he is the general manager. And that's the title that he held that was given to him by the Travel Channel on in 2013. However, in my research, all the articles that were written never mentioned him as the general manager. When you look on their website, you um, do not find him listed as the general manager. So, not sure really what is going on there. In one of the articles that was written about Portals to Hell actually coming to Juno, it, it was written the week that this actually premiered into the April of 2019, it says that Portals to Hell came in October of 2008, and Joshua tells them that Jack brought a psychic with special equipment and cameras into the hotel and stayed for around a week. Well, I don't think Katrina is a psychic. Um, in that particular article, it also uses, like I said, it, it came out in 2019. It says that Joshua calls himself the unofficial historian of the Alaska Hotel. He actually... Uh, privately printed a book called The Life and Times of the Alaskan Hotel in 2006. And it's 95 pages long and it's available from the hotel for $20. It's not available on Amazon. And in this article, it says that he is currently writing a sequel to that book called The Ghosts of the Alaskan Hotel and how it's going to deal with the seamier side of uh, the Alaskan Hotel and the June area in, in depth. And the only thing that I can really see on their website when you get on the Alaskan Hotel's website is them talking about Alice. And that's the first thing Betty brings up in this episode is that Alice in uh, room 2000 or room 219 and room 218 that back in the 1930s that she was living with her husband and that he had to go away to uh, work and that he wouldn't be gone for periods of time. And Betty says that Alice then became a working woman and that her husband came back and caught her uh, being a prostitute, basically. And he shot her and then hung himself afterwards. That, you know, it was basically a murder-suicide. And that guests in that room have experienced, you know uneasy touching and uh, feeling feeling like that 
Katrina later says the word violated, but just feeling uncomfortable in that room and that a lot of times they want um, refunds. And then Betty takes them to room 215, which is going to be Jack's room. And she says that they never rent this room out anymore. And they just keep it there because it's a room and they can't do anything with it. Um, they said that there's been some suicides there, but the only one that they really talk about is the sailor. And like I said, it was wrote about in the paper that it happened in 2007 that a uh, sailor off the USS Bunker Hill came in and that he actually asked for a haunted room. And in this article, it says they rented him 315, which makes me think something happened before 2007 to make this a haunted room. But anyway, in Portals to Hell, they tell um, Jack that, you know, this room um, is where a Navy sailor came in, he cut himself, he wrote on the walls in blood, help me, and then he broke glass and threw himself out of the window. Now, Jack makes the comment that he's, you know, not real stoked about staying in this room. And Katrina says, you know, it's it's not really a glamorous room either. But uh, he says it looks like a room that you come to when you want to make poor choices. So, uh, Betty then mentions reports of a poltergeist throwing things around the room and there being aggressive hauntings. Well, I wanted to know more about that. They don't dive into that and in the reopened part of this, I was expecting them to give us some knowledge on that and they don't. And like I said, in the article's research that I wrote, um, it talks about the sailor in 2007 came, coming in from the USS Bunker Hill asking to rent one of the rooms. He's heard that the hotel is haunted, and he wants to be in a haunted room. Um, says that he does throw himself out of the window, and Betty is interviewed in the article talking about how um, the Naval Security Investigation Team, is how she terms it, comes the next day to actually investigate and ask questions, as does, of course, the police, and that Chris Guilford is the member of the Juno police that is interviewed in the article as being the police officer knocking on the door, breaking the door down, and actually um, being the officer basically on the scene of the suicide. Betty says that it doesn't actually hit her 
what the hotel has done or that the hotel might have been wrong until the Navy sailor's mother calls and asks about what happened. Betty then tells her the same story and says that he came in asking to be in a haunted room. And his mother said, So he came in asking for a haunted room, and you guys didn't ask him why? And you did, you rented it to him, and you didn't think anything of it, especially when dead. And Betty said that, that you know, this, this caused her, you know, some issues. And I think that, that it would, you know, because if you knew before 2007 that you possibly maybe had a poltergeist throwing things around or you had aggressive hottings or, or whatever's going on in this room and you did this, um, it, it could be a little bit of a, a problem, a, an issue. And, of course, um, Jack... Uh, at 2.40, they give us a timestamp. He calls the Juno Police Department while Katrina goes on um, with Betty to her room. And um, they end up in room 219, which is Alice's room. And this is where Betty kind of tells Katrina that, you know, if they're staying in here, that they usually want a refund. And she makes the comment that my son Joshua is fascinated with this room which caught my attention and I wrote it down because I was thinking why is Joshua wanting to be in this room um, there's people getting violated in this room uh, they're wanting refunds why is he hanging out in this room but anyway then they 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 jump down to the bar at 448 and they actually meet Joshua and um, to me, Joshua appears to be a little off and a little different and a little weird. I'm just going to be real, real honest with you guys. Um, after seeing him in the Hotel Impossible episode, he's went downhill a little bit. Uh, when Portals to Hell was filmed, he was 43 years old. He's 45 now. Um, he was 37 during the um, Hotel Impossible episode, and in the Hotel Impossible episode, you can see that he's using very big words, terminology, he's talking about Greek mythology, he uses a lot of different religious examples and things like that in the 2013 Hotel Impossible episode. Um... In the Portals to Hell episode, like I said, he looks like he's, you know, went downhill a little bit. And um, Jack says that he actually kind of liked Joshua when he met him. And Katrina says, you know, me too. Jack says, but I immediately thought of The Shining. And he repeats the, you know, famous phrase, he's always been part of the hotel and always will be part of the hotel. And 
you know, in the articles I read, that was one of the things that Joshua kept bringing up in almost every article, is that he grew up in this hotel, and that, you know, he worked for it for 19 years, he came back in 2013, and has worked again for another seven years. So, I mean, he really has pretty much grew up in this hotel. Um, Joshua talks about having traumatic experiences, and he talks about how in room 213, a man was beaten and basically left to die. And then Joshua also talks about the hot tub incident where he rented um, a hot tub to a guy named Charlie who died in the hot tub. And he says now Charlie is a poltergeist. And both Jack and Katrina look a little shocked, a little confused. So let's talk about why. Because I wish Jack and Katrina would have cut here and went in the reopened part and kind of explained what was going on. They don't ever really talk about this in the episode. Betty has brought up that she thinks there's a poltergeist in 315. And um, now Joshua is talking about how Charlie is a poltergeist or that the hot tub is a poltergeist now well through my research i haven't researched it a lot and our last ghost hunters investigation grant wilson explained about a poltergeist and a poltergeist is someone it is activity that is generated by someone alive not dead someone alive that becomes more active and energetic when you're anxious, stressed, you're nervous. And so I don't think that there can be a poltergeist in 315 throwing things around the room from a sailor that's dead. I also don't think that Charlie down in the basement is a poltergeist like Joshua thinks because he's dead. So it kind of makes me think that if there is a poltergeist at this hotel, it's either getting energy and being generated by Betty or Joshua. Which leads me back to the Hotel Impossible episode. Remember earlier, Betty said Joshua quit the hotel from 2008 until 2013. If Travel Channel would have gave that information to Katrina, I know doggone well she would have asked the question did you have issues from 2008 to 2013? Did you have poltergeists? Did you have hauntings? Did you have people leaving? Because if Joshua's not hanging out there, 
And he's not creating energy. He's not creating anything going on. Then maybe it's Betty. But I don't think that they gave Katrina and Jack all of this information. So Joshua says that, you know, Charlie died downstairs in the basement in the hot tub, but that he didn't leave. He said he feels like his um, feelings of anger and betrayal have made him kind of linger and that people have seen him in the basement and that he really likes pretty girls and um, that there's other things that are in the basement and they aren't humans. And then he kind of pauses and says, well, I think maybe they're demonic. So Jack immediately, you know, wants to go down to the basement and that's where they go where Joshua tells Charlie, we're coming in, and Jack's uh, EMF millimeter detector immediately goes off. Jack, or Joshua starts speaking another language that I don't recognize. J Jack later says that he was speaking Latin, and Jack says that he's getting cold chills, and he he they then flash to to him and Katrina sitting and talking about it and Jack said this is the greatest moment of any investigation um we've ever done together he looks at Katrina and he says uh god love Joshua uh, because he said you know, when they walked in that room and Joshua just started spouting off Latin, he was like, what in the world is going on? But back in the episode, Joshua says Charlie likes pretty girls. He's going to grope them. Um, he says that there's a couple demonic spirits in the north end of the building and that he's seen a horned image over there and so Katrina just kind of casually asks Joshua why would a demon be here and Joshua gets this really weird look and says uh, I don't know so Jack says um, has anyone did any rituals down here and Joshua, again, gets a weird look and says, you know, things have happened and that priests have exercised the building. And Jack's EMF detector starts going off every time Joshua starts talking about Charlie. And then he looks at Jack and says, well, he's right behind you. Jack verifies that he has a cold sensation. Um... And he explains to the producers that there has to have been some atmospheric changes in order to have made the EMF detector go off. So let's stop here and let me give you some information that were, was also in the Hotel Impossible episode. In that episode, Anthony goes and talks to a front desk clerk. The front desk clerk 
is in charge of not only checking people into the hotel, but also running over to the bar to help serve people as they get busy. He says that a lot of times at night, they don't have anyone on duty, but they have the doors unlocked, and that he has came in for his morning shift, and there have been keys gone, where people have walked off the street, went behind the desk, actually got keys, and went and slept in rooms without... Um, paying for him. During the Hotel Impossible episode, they also show that there are no surveillance cameras on any of the cash registers, where the keys are, um, that a lot of times you can see people coming in and you can't see where they're going. Well, when I was watching that, that sends up a red flag again. You know, Joshua just talked to them about how he knows things have happened in the basement. Well, how does he know that? Does he know because people have been sneaking in and performing rituals? And how does he know that they're not performing rituals in rooms because they're coming in the front door at night grabbing keys and going up to the rooms. So, you know, this hotel has a lot of different problems that they obviously haven't really solved. Um, Joshua, they go up to the third floor, and Joshua says that he brought in a medium. And that a medium took video of orbs in the hallway. And she said that there were all kinds of orbs running back and forth and going down the hallway. And that a spirit kept her awake throughout the night in, in room 203. And Katrina and, and Jack in the reopened part, talk about how they don't get why Joshua is all over the place. Um, Katrina says that, you know, she feels like she needs to go and talk to Joshua alone and try to piece the story together. And I can totally understand that because Katrina and Jack haven't been given any research on this place. They haven't been told, hey, Travel Channel was there before. Hey, here's what happened in Hotel Impossible. Here's all the articles that have been wrote about them. Oh, by the way, here's the book that Josh wrote in 2006 about the place and how he's currently planning on writing a sequel called The Ghosts of the Alaskan Hotel. Because I think Jack and... Katrina would have went in with a little bit better picture of what these people were trying to do. But the episode then ends up with um, Katrina being in the tech room with Joshua alone. And I'll just be real honest with you. When I saw 
this setup. With Katrina alone, with Joshua, and are sitting semi-close together. I just got a really weird, creepy, red flag vibe from this. Um, I was a Child Protective Service uh, forensic investigator for years, and then I became a trainer where I taught people how to do investigations, how to interview people, and do forensic interviews with them, and how to read red flags. And Joshua, being alone with Katrina, gives off all of those red flags. I mean, he really, really, really set my alarm bells off. So I really feel for Katrina being in this situation. She didn't seem real nervous, but she confronted him and said, I don't, I don't think you're telling us the truth. I think you're hiding things. And she said, he said, oh, Katrina. And then he told her this very dark, twisted story and starts telling her that he's been conjuring spirits. And then they show some bonus footage. And Katrina just basically confronts him and says, Joshua, you already have this super charged building with geological factors. Now, she didn't explain that. But I'm wondering if it is the minerals that are in the area, the rivers, the mountains, or if there are geological factors that the hotel's setting on. I wish they would have explained that part. But Joshua starts talking about a coven that was in Juno, but that he wasn't a part of it. And he says he was trained in secret. And Katrina says, was the coven in here? Meaning the hotel. And he says, no, it was just in Juno. Well, in the beginning of this podcast, of this episode, I told you the hotel is right in the middle of downtown Juno. He was aware of the coven and was being trained in secret. Who was he being trained in secret by? Was it by the coven? What what was he being trained to do? And he says that he was conjuring spirits. What spirits was he conjuring? So then they kind of flip to Jack and Katrina, you know, in the reopened part. They're discussing this. And Jack says, well, I just feel like Joshua just needs to move to Salem. Um... Jack makes a joke and says, you know, Joshua would arrive in Salem and say, these are my people. And uh, he says, then he could join a coven that wouldn't be conjuring Satan. Um, And that if he did join a coven that did conjure Satan, then they would probably do it in a way that they might be able to control things. 
because it's very obvious that whatever Joshua was doing, conjuring up stuff, um, yeah, he wasn't controlling it, and he wasn't doing it right, and I have a really, 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 really strong feeling that the coven was also in that hotel. But anyway, Joshua tells Katrina uh, that he believes that dark magic was used in room 2015, and that he spoke to a lieutenant in the police department that was on the scene. And like I told you in one of the articles that I read, this was um, Chris uh, Guilford, and Jack actually plays the snippet of the recording that the police officer made when he arrived. Um, the police officer obviously heard some commotion. He thought there were two people in the room. And um, then they listen to it, and they talk about, could there have been a poltergeist in here? And Katrina says it would be very odd. And I wish they would have explored that, about, you know, kind of what was going on in 2007. You know, that was about the time that Joshua was getting ready to leave. I'm sure he was fighting with his mother. And was he very stressed and anxious? And could he have been possibly causing things? Um, they then talk about um, how they had slept the night before. And Katrina talks about how hard it was for her to sleep. That she woke up at one point and that she felt hands patting her down on the inside of her legs. And this is where she talks about being, like, almost violated. Now, you have to understand that in Katrina's spare time, because we all know that Katrina has so much spare time, she is a crisis rape counselor. She actually works a crisis line um, in Philadelphia where she lives and is engaged. And she has always been made that part of her work, helping people uh, get the help that they need to get through traumatic events. She has been trained in crisis counseling. So she knows what she speaks of. I wish they would have went into that there and gave her a little bit more credibility than just, you know, Joe Blow off the street saying, oh, I felt hands on my legs. Well, no, Katrina has been doing this work and working with people in a social work factor and, like I said, answering hotlines and, and walking people through traumatic situations for such a long time. She has experience in this area. They didn't then give us a timestamp of 8.15 where Katrina walks in and Jack says he doesn't sleep well and that he ended up sleeping with the lights on. And that at about 4 a.m., he doesn't know the exact time, that he was kind of like pinged awake and that he didn't feel comfortable. Well, Katrina says that she also slept with the lights on and that she woke up at 4.03. And 
she said that the gear in her room was fluctuating a lot and that she had dreams about murder. And then it jumps up to 1120 and they start their investigation. Um, Katrina is in room 219 and she's with two of her friends that she introduces to um, Alice. And one of them is the producer, uh, Elaine. And we'll talk about her in just a minute. But as soon as they walk in, the producer says that her heart is just racing and that this isn't normal for her. She's never experienced this. And then they show uh, Jock on the third floor and he's in room 315 and he's starting to feel really anxious. So Katrina uses, um, she calls it an ITC device which is basically kind of a spirit box with no static. That They've uh, taken the static out so that you can actually hear. Um, Katrina asks, who is here? And they hear the response, Alice. Katrina then asks, did your boyfriend shoot you? And the answer is no. Then she asks, why do you stay in this hotel? And the producer says that she very clearly hears the word rape. They then flash back to Katrina and Jack uh, talking in the reopen section about her being in the room and using the ITC technology and getting hits. She said that after they got several hits of a woman saying rape, it, it came through, you know, multiple times, that this led her to think about what had actually happened the night before with something that was getting kind of all touchy with her. And she brought up then that it started making her think that if Alice really did exist, do they have, you know, the story correct? And should they not kind of be thinking a little bit about that? So they go back to the episode and Katrina asks, why do I feel sick all of a sudden? And the answer comes through the spirit box, passing through. And so Katrina says, passing through the room or passing through me? And it... It doesn't really give her, you know, an answer. And so then it flashes over to Jack, and he asks if there's anyone in the room with us, then please make a noise. Jack's EMF detector actually goes off because the temperature changed. And Jack tries to debunk this. He looks and he says, you know, there's no drafts, the radiator's not on, the windows are shut, and he says, can you please make yourself known? Can you, can you make a noise or something? And so the floor creaks. And so Jack goes outside, kind of right outside of his door, which was open, into the hallway. And he starts feeling cold chills. And Jack 
says, did someone carry on a ceremony here? And he hears a growl. Well, when they go back to the reopened part, he tells Katrina that it sounds like a cross between a dog growl and a creaky door, and that all the doors in, in the, uh, down the hallway were closed, and that they didn't have, uh, or they didn't hear any of them shut. And so he doesn't think it was that. He believes that it was like a low growl that a dog makes right before it barks. So they go back to the episode and Jack says, are you demonic? And um, he doesn't get any response. So they flash back to Katrina where Katrina confirms with the producer that they have heard rape several times come through. Now Katrina hasn't shared her story of the night before with anyone. And so she tells them about her experiences the night before and says, I haven't told anyone about this. So it's really weird that the word rape is coming through when I felt so violated. So they flash back to Jack and Jack is upstairs and he says, you know, I need you to let us know that you're here. So they hear the temperature gauge go off back in his room, 315. So then Katrina, they flash back to Katrina, and Katrina's asking the spirit box where she should go next. And it responds up. So um, Katrina goes up to the third floor where Jack is, and she says it just feels really heavy up here. Uh, feels like there's a darker energy going on. And Jack says, yeah. So Katrina turns on the ITC technology, the spirit box, and says, who are we talking up here? They hear the reply, Satan. So Katrina then asks, where do we need to go to find answers? And it responds, down. So they start to head to the basement. They go down to the basement, and um, Katrina tells Charlie that she's brought her friend Elaine, who is the producer, with her. And Katrina, you know, says that that they did this because Joshua had told them uh, about Charlie liking pretty girls. And so, since both of them were women, that they decided to go down there. So, Katrina says, we're not leaving until we get some answers from you. Um, Elaine immediately jumps because she said she heard a sound like someone took a step right up behind her. And she's looking around. She then says uh, that she, when every time she turns off her flashlight that she feels like there's things kind of all around her. 
So Katrina tells Charlie that she isn't convinced that he's as powerful as Joshua says. So she is going to sit down this prototype device. And to me, it appears to be almost like a REM pod because she talks about how it can be set off by movement around it, but it also can be set off by temperature. So she asks Charlie, can you set this thing off? And of course, we see that it gets set off. They go back to Katrina and, and Jack setting in the uh, reopening room talking about this and Katrina says there's a lot you didn't get to see of Elaine and I in the basement that they kept hearing sounds overhead which would have been the bar area and so they decide to show bonus footage and it's bonus footage of them hearing footsteps and I could actually them when it was played so Katrina gets on her walkie-talkie Jack is up in the tech room watching the cameras watching Katrina and Katrina says hey Jack you need to mark that we're hearing footsteps and can you check the bar area so Jack flips through the cameras and he says there is no one in the bar and there is no one even on the first floor. So, um, Katrina, then it comes back to her talking to Jack. And she says, you know, when I was standing there and I was hearing these footsteps and what appeared or sounded like chairs being dragged in the bar area across the floor, I started thinking, am I crazy? And she said, and then you go through this whole thing where you're excited, but then you're not so excited because you don't know what's going on. And then you wonder, how is all of this working? How can people say, this isn't happening when you have so many witnesses to the contrary. You know, you have two and three people in the same room hearing the same thing, and then you send completely different people down, and they hear the same thing. How, you know, is all of this working, and how can you have skeptics out there when you have so many people saying a lot of the same things are happening which makes me think because i've told you guys you know i'm a skeptic and so i i don't know i don't know what the answer is i'm hoping through doing you know this podcast and doing reviews of locations of doing reviews of tv shows maybe even doing reviews of equipment that i may be able to find some kind of answer but i want to go back and talk a little bit about elaine um because in this episode i remember you know last year when i watched this that I thought Elaine was, I had read an article that Elaine was part of uh, the Audio Company and that she was the executive producer on this show. 
And so when I watched this the first time last year, and I saw her jump and her asking questions, and throughout the season, Elaine will ask different questions and everything, I thought, well, she is this newer executive uh, producer. She's never really been in this situation. She's experiencing a lot of this uh, for the first time, and that I almost, I guess, projected what I would feel on Elaine, because I can imagine being in that basement with, with Katrina, and, you know, hearing someone almost come up on me, and getting that rush, and jumping, and immediately turning my flashlight on, and wondering what's going on, well, I decided to look up Elaine, because I wanted to know what she had gotten into, and when you look up Elaine White, which is her name, um, you can see that she is an Emmy winner. She has been um, nominated for Emmys. She worked on the Food Network. She worked on um, Trisha's Southern Kitchen and Valerie's Kitchen and some other TV shows that I can't recall off the top of my head. But the kicker is she worked with Jack on his Haunted Highway uh, series, so she started kind of there in the paranormal, she also worked in the second season of the Ghost of Shepherdstown, and after they fired, you know, Bill Hartley and Elizabeth Saint and, um, Nick Groff, they hired a brand new cast and cast it, and she was the executive producers of the Ghost of Morgan City. And she was also the executive producer of the Ghost Brothers uh, when they were investigating houses, not, not when they were doing, it's the latest series that they had. She has been the um, executive producer, obviously, of Portals to Hell, and she is the executive producer of the second season of Portals to Hell. So... Um, Miss Elaine White has been around the paranormal. She also is, um, a producer on a movie that, um, is coming out that is in the paranormal genre. So, she is not me. She is not a newbie. She has been around this for, you know... I'm guessing six, seven, eight years now, and so her jumping now doesn't, I don't know, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But back to the episode. Um, Katrina says, hey Charlie, is someone else down here with us? And so her REM pod goes off, and she says, is it Alice? And there's no response. No sound. So Katrina says, let's talk about Joshua. Did Joshua invite something negative down here, either on purpose or by mistake? And the REM pod goes off. And so she says, this leads her to believe that when Charlie's asked to respond by his name, then he actually does. But... There's something else here. 
and she tells Elaine that either the something else here is not really as negative as what Joshua is leading them to believe, or that it's something that is truly negative, but it is attached to Joshua. And him speaking Latin and burning incense and coming down here to play with it, she said is only kind of making it worse. So then it flashes back to Katrina doing the reopen section and they're talking. And Jack talks about how, you know, on wrap-up day, they kind of got in a flow with how they talk to whoever has brought them there and they kind of reveal findings. And he said this actual reveal of this actual wrap-up talk sticks with him still to this day because he said he went into it not really knowing and he said they both talked about it and they suspected that Joshua just wasn't being truthful with them and that they were totally shocked that Joshua just started coming clean. He came clean to them. He came clean to his mother. And Jack says that he found this really kind of fascinating um, because they weren't expecting it. So at the wrap-up meeting, um, Katrina reveals that she doesn't think that the story of Alice's murder-suicides in the 1930s is correct. Um, she talks about how she thinks that would have been reported in the newspapers. There would have been some kind of um, marking of it. And then she talks about the violations that the guests felt and how when they ran the spirit box that they heard Alice call out three times and then the word rape came through the spirit box numerous times and she just feels like you know they don't have the complete story and that it's probably not correct well, just to let you know, they haven't corrected the story on their website because I guess the story of the murder-suicide and her being a prostitute and all of that is way more salacious and a way bigger sell than Alice possibly getting raped. Uh, but anyway, Jack then talks about room three, 315 and he felt like... There was something running him back and forth between room 15, 315 and the third floor hallway. And he felt like he was almost, you know, on a busy street. And then Katrina says that she went downstairs with a producer. And she talks about how Charlie was responding. And Jack shows footage of a new camera technology that they're using use overlays and I'm not real sure about this um, I don't really understand it I need to investigate that a little further because you can kind of see where something is moving 
and when they show that, Josh um, or Joshua immediately says, I've seen that before. Well, have you, Joshua? Because they were in the dark, and they didn't see it. And the only way they saw this was by using new technology. But Betty also jumps in and says, I've seen that before. So Katrina kind of shocks them and says, you know, when things like this happen, when things are moving like this, that it usually has ties to demonic hauntings. And she looks at Josh. So Joshua kind of decides to come clean and says that, you know, he dated a girl whose mother used black magic to control her family. And he knew about this, but he stayed with her for a year. And that he believes that her mom got a piece of his hair or one of his possessions because her daughter had a dream of a demonic figure that had his head on it. And that he woke up at the same time while he was living in room 223. Yeah, I'm pausing on purpose. Um, I don't know if I had a dream of a demonic figure with my boyfriend's head on it that I would automatically say, hey, my mom must have a piece of your hair. How did he get that from that? Again, Joshua is not telling the full story. And I don't even know if there's a truthful story to tell or if he's actually telling a story. And yes, I'm doing finger quotes. And he's kind of making it up as he goes. It's just really weird. And this is the first time that he's talked about him actually living in one of the rooms. And that he lived in 223. Well, guys, earlier his mom said... Joshua is fascinated by the room 219, Alice's room. Do you guys realize in a hotel all the odd numbers are on one side of the floor and all of the even numbers are on the other side of the floor? So that means Josh's room 223 is two doors down from 219. He could play in there anytime he wanted to but anyway um they go back to jack and katrina sitting there talking uh in the reopening section and jack admits he didn't know what to do that this was way over his head and that he basically decided that katrina needed to handle this that he thought, you know, when they were briefed, that this was going to be, this case was going to be this way. And it was going to be about the Navy sailor. It was going to be about Alice. And that now it has turned into, you know, Joshua conjuring things. A coven being around. Him dating someone whose mother 
plays around in black magic um, that he possibly has demonic objects in in you know bottom of the basement and how he's shouting Latin all over the place so Katrina looks at Jack and says we literally sat there for four days and we kept asking him is there anything else that you want to tell us has anybody been doing rituals has anybody been doing this has anybody been doing that and she said he finally tells us on our last day there he comes clean in front of his mom and us she said i just wish he would have told us sooner so that we could have went almost in a different you know direction and you can see when jack and her are talking that that frustrated her so then they go back to the episode and katrina says well this is our missing piece of the puzzle and tells joshua well that's very helpful information but i'm going to tell you that typically in my experience and then she looks at jack and says also in jack's experience but in my experience that it doesn't end very well for people who have been doing this stuff and my note right after that says you need to do research and the reason why I wrote that note is because I knew they went there in 2018 and I wanted to see has Josh escaped has he had a nervous breakdown uh, has he quit has he committed suicide you know and I couldn't find out exactly what Josh is doing now um, the uh, newest article that I could find that Josh was interviewed in was April of 2019 so I have no clue like I said he's not listed on their hotel website as being the general manager so I have no clue what Josh was doing maybe he's writing his book I don't know but they go back and they're kind of wrapping up this reopen episode and Katrina says well I feel like we learned a lot at the hotel number one we learned that it's haunted number two that there's a lot of secrets there um, that they don't want to tell and she said I think it would take multiple investigations to actually get to the bottom of this she asked Jack she said do you think Joshua has something to do with this and Jack says he certainly plays a role in it how could he not be and Katrina says well it's like he's doing how to have a haunting one-on-one uh, 101 or it's like how to get Satan to come in um Jack says, uh, well, what do you think? And she said, it's just really creepy. And so Jack then says, well, Katrina, do you think there's an actual portal at the Alaskan Hotel? 
Because in the episode, they didn't talk about a portal to hell. And so, I like how Jack is bringing it around to the title of the, the show. And he says, you know, Katrina, do you think there's an actual portal? And Katrina says, I don't think we have enough information. I don't think we can conclude it does have a portal or it doesn't. Because they weren't giving us information. And she thinks that there needs to be more investigations and that they need to be a little bit more open and honest. And Jack says, well, there's no doubt that there was some conjuring going on and it felt like hell while we were there. And that's kind of how they ended it. And so after doing some research and finding all of this out and rewatching the episode, um, of course, I've already told you, I enjoy Porters of the Hell. I like Jack Osborne. I've liked him with everything he's been in. Uh, I like his family. Um, I don't listen to heavy metal music, so I don't follow Ozzy's career. But I like him as the daughtering old man that goes on the wor world tour with Kelly and Jack. You know, but um, I love Katrina Wild. I think she has so much knowledge and that her views have changed over the years as she's gotten more and more experience. I I would love to sit down and have a conversation with her. I think she's a deep person that has a lot of different interests. I know that she has a band that um, she is the lead singer of that perform in Philly and that they have did some minor tours. Um, I just think she is a very interesting person. Uh, like I said, she's a crisis counselor. She takes cases on the side with Heather Taddy. Um, I, I just like this show, and I think it's because I like Jack and Katrina. Um, I wish the Travel Channel would let them do some research. I think if Katrina had the research and Joshua had been a little bit more open, I truly think this episode, not that it wasn't good, like I said, it, it was freaky enough that I wanted to tune in more, but um, I think they could have found out even more. I think it could have been an even better episode, and I'm enjoying that the travel chance i know a lot of fans out there don't like these episodes where they talk about things because they feel like it's a repeat and in a way it is but in a way you're gathering so much more information and you're actually learning how the investigators think you're seeing bonus footage you're hearing different equipment that maybe they tried out that didn't work and so i i like these shows um i know there's a lot of people out there that want to see more investigations they they actually started the investigation in this show um, after 20 minutes. And so you got basically 40 minutes of investigation. They're not going to show you an hour of investigation. 
they have to give you some background, some history. They have to do some interviews. You don't ever go into a location cold because it's not safe. And so I hope people, you know, kind of give this series a chance. And we will be reviewing more of Portals to Hell Reopened, I am sure, in the the future. And I am looking forward to Season 2 because I've heard that they went to a lot more interesting locations. But if you guys have any questions comments, problems, or protests, anything that you have found out about this or that you have to add, please write me at paranormalreviewpod, that's singular, paranormalreviewpod at gmail.com, or feel free to hit me up on our Facebook page or on our Twitter at Paranormal Review. Uh, tell me what you think. Do you like uh, these episodes, are you enjoying them? Are you learning anything? Do you like the reviews? Um, do you like the questions? Do you have questions? Uh, talk to me a little bit. But anyway, I'm going to sign off and leave you guys alone for a little bit. But I will see you real soon.